Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. His money and his possessions were his God, his idol. Everything that caused him to be alive was connected directly to his possessions and his money. Any person pursued passion that takes the place of God in our lives then becomes an idol. We've all looked at the media's documentation of rich people's pursuit of happiness, probably with a mixture of sadness and disgust, maybe sometimes with envy. Our own pursuit of what we deem important, however, is noble, or so we tell ourselves. As long as they don't lead to extravagant excesses, we think we're okay. Pastor Mark will be sharing from Luke 18, where Jesus will encounter a man who may have thought much like ourselves. He had done everything right, but knew he wasn't where he should be. Jesus will reveal to the man that he was far from God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 18 with part one of his message, Fulfilled My Bucket List, But I'm Still Empty. How many of you have a bucket list? Good, good. The rest of you just duds, is that it? Or what, you don't have a bucket list? Come on now. Well, I did some searching on the internet to see what the bucket list kind of thing was all around. Some interesting things that you find. Look at these titles of our, you can go to see these. Here's somebody that has 10,000 things to do before he dies. Good luck. You're going to be Methuselah, 9,000 years or something. And I like to say, my wife and I were talking about, look at the second one. Somebody was really wise as a parent. A pre-baby bucket list. (laughs) If you're a young parent, that's the list you want to do. Because as soon as Johnny or Susie comes, forget the bucket list. Can I hear an amen from you young parents? Yeah, You know. Here's the next one. Anybody ever been to Upper Michigan? Oh, good. Look at all these hands. Wow. Wow. 100 things to do in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. My father-in-law worked up there. And here you are for Florida. I didn't look at all the things, what they are. One of those bucket lists is to come to Calvary Chapel of Melbourne. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, right. The top 25 must for your Florida bucket list. Well, you're going to see today in the scripture in Luke 18, a young man who has fulfilled his bucket list. He has everything done. He's tried everything. Everything is together in his life, and yet he's empty. He has no purpose, and he has no meaning. We begin Luke 18, verse 18. A certain ruler, 
had come to Jesus and asked him, good teacher, what must I notice do to inherit eternal life? Now, this account is in actually three of the Gospels. Matthew tells us he's a young man. Luke tells us, as you saw, he's a ruler. Mark tells us that he's rich. So he has it all together. Now, when we see him coming to Jesus, Mark gives us a little more information. Mark tells us that when he came to Jesus... Jesus would be there. He was running up to Jesus and he kneeled before him. He was serious about finding an answer to his question. He was absolutely humbled. He wanted to know about his destiny. He believed, look at some of the things by his question. What must I do to have eternal life? Well, he believed in eternal life. He knew there was life after death. He came to Jesus. Why? Because he knew Jesus had the answer for eternity. How we can make sure that we'll live in heaven when we die. And notice also, he had a problem. He viewed eternal life as something that a person could earn through certain good works. What must I do? Well, watch how Jesus begins to interact with this young man. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Jesus is saying, there's only one who is good. That's God. So don't call me good unless you're ready to call me God. Now, that's interesting because Jesus was God. But he's challenging this person. I'm not just a good teacher. I am God. And there is only one good. Because Jesus knows this young man is going to say, I'm good. I'm good. Verse 20. Jesus immediately goes to the Ten Commandments. Let me just remind you a little bit about the Ten Commandments. We'll see some of them as we go through. The Ten Commandments in the Old Testament were part of the law. The first four commandments have to do with you and me. And how we relate to God. The last six commandments have how you and I relate to other people. So Jesus is going to go. Remember, the Ten Commandments are a picture of the cross. How we relate, first four, to God. And how we relate to people. So Jesus is going to go to these commandments. How he relates to people. And he lists four of the five last commandments. Later, he'll go to this commandment, the very first commandment. We'll see that as we go. So watch what Jesus does. He knows this young man's Jewish. He's been raised to know the law. He's been raised to know the Ten Commandments. Verse 20. You know the commandments, he says to this young man. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. And honor your mother, and your father. So Jesus says, here, you know these. How are you doing with these? Now, Jesus is using these commandments for one reason. Not to see if he remembered them, but to see that he could not keep those commandments perfectly. No one could do enough 
to earn salvation. This is what was kind of normal for the Jewish people. If I keep the commandments, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good, good person. Jesus was going to show him, you're going to say you keep these. You don't keep these. And thus, you have to be saved. You have to be born again. You have to have your sins forgiven. This is a good thing for us. These verses that I'm going to show you were not there in the Bible at that time. They were written by Paul later. But so many people, and there'll be people here this morning, you ask people outside specifically of the church and even in many churches today, when you die and you go to heaven, you just state it like that, why will God let you in? And the normal answer is, well, I'm a good person. I do good things. This is what this Jewish rich young ruler is going to say to Jesus. No, I've kept them all. I'm fine. I'm good. Well, then why is he there? Because he's still empty. He's not sure. He wants to be assured. Look at these verses because these are great verses to tell people that they'll never get there by good works. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go. Look at this verse, Romans 3. Paul wrote it. For no one. How many? How many? How many many is no one? Uh, Like no one. Zero. Nada. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So you could never go to heaven by keeping all the commandments. By the way, all the commands were 613 commandments. Now, look again what James writes, the brother of Jesus. For the person who keeps all the laws, say it with me, except one, he breaks, she breaks one, is as guilty as the person who has broken all. So how many of you think here, man, I could do it. I would never break one. Well, let me read. Shall I read some more Ten Commandments? How about 613? Shall I start the list? No, there's nobody that could do that. So if I break one, and you'll see this young man, he's broken one over, 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 over again. So we have to see what Jesus is doing. He's going there. He's not going to say to him, well, I know what you're going to say to me, but I'm telling you, you need to be saved. Look at verse 21. Jesus knew this was coming. Look at what he says. Jesus, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Remember, he only gave him five of the last six. Interesting, he declares he's qualified. I'm perfect. I've got it. Now, We don't know. He could have been a really, really good guy. He may have kept those. We don't know that. Probably not, but he could have. But notice what Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't say to him, are you kidding me? Come on, get real. Notice he doesn't debate. You'll see in a moment. He doesn't question his response, but he goes now to the first four commandments. That deals with a person's relationship with God. And watch what he says. Verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack, say it with me, one thing. So this guy's probably going, fantastic. Man, this is easy. Only one. Good. Let me show you where Jesus is going to go. 
this is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And as you know, you can go to Exodus 20, you find the Ten Commandments. Here they are. Let me just share you what Jesus is going to say to him. This is God speaking to the children of Israel. I am the Lord your God who rescued you, children of Israel, the Jewish people, from the land of Egypt. Egypt was a picture of sin in the Old Testament. The place of your slavery. John 8 tells us that when we sin, we're slaves to sin. And that's exactly what they were. So God says, I'm the one that freed you. Now here's how you stay free. You must not have any other God but me. One. Next. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. So he's moved from people to people. And now he's saying to this young man, how are you going to do on this one? How are you going to do in this one? And he really is going to break the first two commandments as we walk through it. Jesus knew this man had not kept them. And he points to the one, which is the first one, but actually goes into the second one that he continues to break. So here's what I want you to write this morning. Watch what happens. You have to write this because this is exactly where Jesus is going to go. His money and his possessions were his God, his idol. Everything that caused him to be alive was connected directly to his possessions and his money. Any person pursued passion that takes the place of God in our lives then becomes an idol. These possessions, the money, the wealth became his God. He had a lifestyle that continued to break the first commandment over and over and over and over. God was not first in his life. His money and possessions were his God. Now let's look at verse 22 again. Look at it in your Bible. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Now watch this. He is not expecting this. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. But it doesn't end there. Look at the next statement. Then come follow me. Now, Mark tells us that when Jesus read or spoke, what you see in verse 22, watch me, he looked at him. And Mark says, when he was saying this, he loved him. He wasn't saying to his disciples, how'd you let this guy get through? I'm busy today. This guy is useless. No, he loved him. He said these words with loved him. Why? Because he wanted him in heaven. Do you know that God loves everybody? He loves you this morning. He loves our prodigal children. He loves our neighbors that have nothing to do with God. Amazing. And so he's saying to this young man, you came seeking? I have an answer for you. Now, when you see he's asking this young man to do something very difficult. And what he's going to say to him is this. Here's two things to do. Jesus lovingly told him to do. Remember, he asked, what should I do? To do two things. Number one, sell all his possessions and give them to the poor. 
Number two, then come and follow me. Now, if he does those two things, if he does those two things, these would put God back where he's supposed to be in first place. Remember, who's, who's his God? Money and possessions. Well, if he sells them all, God can then come. And the way Jesus says is this, come and follow me. See, many people miss the second part. Well, Pastor Mark, I came, I asked God to forgive me of my sins, and I did all that, and he forgave me, and I've been doing great. How long have you been a Christian? Oh, 12 years, and I'm doing fantastic. Well, are you following Jesus? No, I don't really need to follow Jesus. My sins are done. As soon as they get to heaven, I get there. No, no, no. Following Jesus is a lifestyle. We don't talk about being Christian. There's nothing wrong with the word Christian. Christians has to do with belief. Christ follower has to do with belief and lifestyle. So this morning, if you're here and nothing's happening in your life, but you think your sins have been forgiven, but you're not following Jesus, I'll guarantee you this morning, something else is in first place. And you need to listen because this is exactly what Jesus is going to say to this young man. Now, when you look at that, what are his choices? Will he trust Jesus enough to follow him by getting rid of all his stuff? Or will he continue to trust in his wealth. Now, some of you may be confused by what Jesus is saying. Pastor Mark, was Jesus saying by selling his goods and giving them away all of his money that this young man would earn eternal life? How many think he'll earn eternal life if he does what Jesus says? Few of you, that's fine. What is the real answer to this? No, you can't earn it. What he's doing is this. He's saying selling his possessions won't bring him eternal life. It was Jesus' way of showing him he hasn't kept the law and he needs forgiveness of sins. No one can get to heaven by doing good things. Notice the key was sell what's your God and now follow me, which is a lifestyle. Well, how do I follow him? Well, you have to have your sins forgiven. Now, here's how we know that you can't get to heaven by good works. That's a normal common sense thing for everybody today. Ephesians 2. For it's by grace. It's just a gift from God that we don't deserve. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by, say it with me, works. You can't ever be good enough. And that's why it's right in the verse, because people would say, well, I'm good enough. No, you're not good enough. It is not by works so that no one can boast. What does that mean? Well, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm better than you are. You remember in a race with a bear? You remember that? The bear's running. People say, why are you running so much? If I can outrun you, I can outrun the bear. You're dead, baby. And a lot of people think, well, I'm better than you. No, God doesn't grade on the curve. Jesus is saying to him, no, this isn't going to happen. You have misplaced God. You say you're a Jew and you worship God, but God isn't first. Your money and your possessions are. Now, so we receive forgiveness and the gift of salvation simply by doing one thing, repenting, believing, and following Jesus. Now, I want to give you something to think about. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to just talk to your neighbor about this for a second. Let's just say, That next week, and for the next eight weeks, when people come here to the church, I say to every person that walks through our door, what Jesus said to this one ruler. 
What would our church look like? So be thinking about this. I'll just say this. I'll say it to you this morning. Every one of you lack one thing. And if you want to go to heaven, I'm asking you to do this. When you leave this morning, the first thing you can do on Tuesday morning when the banks open, I want you to empty your bank accounts. I want you to sell absolutely everything you have. Go to the Goodwill, wherever you want to go, and give everything to the poor, and I'll see you back next weekend. Now, I want you to talk to your neighbor, and here's some things I want you to talk about. How many people would be here after the first week? And how many people would be here after the 10th week? Go ahead. Just discuss it for a moment. Just discuss it for a moment. (laughs) By the way, I'm starting it next week. What do you laugh about? All right. How many think there'd be less people here after the first week if I did that? Okay. What do you think it would be look like in week 10? How many of you would faithfully be here? Yeah, you're even afraid to raise your hand. <laughs> exactly. I'd be here because I'd have all the money. You gave it all to me. <laughs> no. You said, Pastor Mark, that's, that's, that's stupid. Well, here's after. See, when people read this in the scripture, here's what they say. I knew it. Church is always after our money. Jesus proves it. Give all your money. By the way, it isn't your money anyway. Sorry, but that's not the key point I'm talking about. I know God's, that's just the way God is. He's a stingy, he wants everything we have. This is the only time in scripture that Jesus ever asked one person to do this. You know why? Because that was his problem. Zip! Now we're going to talk about what could your problem be? What could my problem be? This isn't in there. I've been doing this for 25 years, and I've been in church way more than that, another 35 years. I've never heard anybody say this to a congregation. How stupid, because that's not the way God is. But what is God saying to you and I this morning? It was because of this man's money, wealth, had become his God. So he had to say right to him, here's how you fix your problem. Now, Could I ask you this morning, who's your God? What is your God? When you get up in the morning, what gives you passion for the day? Is it your relationship with God? Could it be many Christians, Christ followers, have more passion about their looks, their sports, their relationships, their car, their homes, the bucket list, their free time than they have for God? So I want to challenge you this morning. I want you, in your mind, or if you'd like to, you can write it on your paper. I want you to fill in this blank. Who or what is first place in your everyday life? Pastor Mark's teaching today was a good reminder of our need to keep our priorities straight. God must be first in everything we do or want to do. The rich young ruler demonstrated to us that riches can be a snare, a hindrance to serving God. We were told again that many other things besides riches can get in our way when we're trying to be a follower of Christ. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Next time, we'll continue Jesus' comments on the rich young ruler and the difficulties the wealthy have in getting into God's kingdom. Pastor Mark will be teaching about how we actually get into the kingdom of God, and we'll get reminders of what following Jesus costs. Pastor Mark will tell us about Jesus' love for this young man and about Jesus' love for us too. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.